we're getting back into Luke. And now we're going to be in Luke basically all the way until Easter, leading right up until the week before Easter. So we're going to cover Luke chapters 8 through 10 over the next uh, 12 or 14 weeks, whatever that ends up being. Today we're in Luke chapter 8. And changing the title of the series, uh, for one, we've been in Luke for a long time. We're probably getting tired of the title, Investigating Jesus. And so this one, I'm kind of changing it to, Do You Know My Jesus? That's what I said, right? Okay, just making sure. By the way, um, I'm I'm trying to lighten up a little bit, trying to have a little more fun, trying to smile more. I've been practicing my smiling, this, trying to build up my smiling muscles so that, uh, so that I don't look so mean and angry up on the stage all the time. So now I'm going to just smile and, and yell. But I don't know. I'm trying to laugh. I'm trying to laugh more. So you can help me. Um, if you have, like, practical ideas on how I can lighten up, I'd re- seriously love for you to tell me. Um, how I can lighten up. I, and like I said, I, I take this seriously. I take, more, I take it seriously enough for everybody in this room. And so I'm trying to lighten up and have a little more fun, joy in the journey, so to speak. You know, that's what they call it, I hear. But um, no, I just, I want us to enjoy our time together. We should, we should laugh a little bit more often. And so I'm going to be actually working on that. And if you, uh, right now in my mind, I'm calling it the fun police, maybe putting together a team called the fun police so we can actually get a group of people intentionally trying to build some fun into what we're doing here so if you're a fun person would you talk to me after church if you think you're fun and you talk to me after church and you're not fun no offense but I'm not going to call you back just (laughs) but uh, yeah trying to be more hopeful optimistic positive you know I've been on that journey for a while we don't need any more negative people in the world we got plenty of negativity in our world. What the world needs is for us to be transformed and hopeful and optimistic and positive and encouraging and lifting people up, right? That's what, that's what we need to be, and that's what I want to see God do in my life over the course of this year is to make me more of that for our church and for our world. So um, trying to have a little bit of fun. One quick note, if you have your phone, that number we've used for texting in questions during the service, um, if you don't have it, open up Pull out your phone right now real quick. Open up your texting app and put this number in. I'm going to do something a little bit different. I'm going to just try a few things and see how it works. I'm going to do this on Workplace. If you're not on Workplace, let me know. We'll get you on Workplace, but most of you are on there. And um, But if you have questions during the sermon... Uh, that, that I don't address, that I don't answer, send them to that number. I'm not going to answer them anymore during the sermon because it's a little bit distracting. Um, but, but send them to that number, and then later during the week, I'll do a, a video or something on Workplace and, and answer them, and we'll do it live. So if you have more questions, you can jump in at that time as well. So here's the number if you've got your texting app open. Someone just texted in, hi, David. That's not really a question. So... Um, I'm looking more for things like, what does this mean? What did you mean when you said? You sounded like a hypocrite. That didn't, you know, hey, now someone, what does this mean? Great, I appreciate that. Yeah. What does what mean? Um, so 360 360- 818-4399. You can just put my name in there. You can put in the uh, text, text your questions at, to 68 as the name of the contact. I know that's kind of long, but uh, questions at 68, something like that. And put that in there, and then I'm going to start working to uh, answer those questions uh, in the week after the sermon to try to help us keep thinking about it and go a little bit deeper with it in the week ahead. So Luke 8 chapter 8, verse 1 through 15. I just want to read through this really quick. We're not going to get into everything in this passage, so um, if you have questions about especially the first three or four verses, you can ask those, and we'll try to get into some of those later this week. Luke 8, verse 1. After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. 
So there is, for one, the evidence we should be actually cheerful and joyful and positive and hopeful because the, the news of the kingdom of God is good news. It's not bad news. It's good news. So we have a good message. We have a good story. We are on a good journey. This is a good thing that we're a part of, good news of the kingdom of God. Let's tell it like it's good. The twelve were with him, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases, Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out, Joanna, the wife of Chusa, the manager of Harold's household, Susanna, and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. It's an incredible story. It's incredible that Luke included that in his gospel, and we can explain that more later. Verse 4, while a a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. Jesus told parables and stories to teach all the time. This is one of the most famous ones. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. And still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. When he said this, he called out, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. You're going to need to remember that for next week as a part of this whole chapter and this theme of Luke's writing in this section. So whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. His disciples asked him what this parable meant. He said, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God have been given to you, but to others I speak in parables, so that though seeing they may not see, though hearing they may not understand. This is the meaning of the parable. So actually Jesus gives us the meaning, which is incredible because he doesn't always do that. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering produce a crop. That verse 15, I want to read it again in the New English translation. It says, But as for the seed that landed on good soil, these are the ones who, after hearing the word, cling to it, with an honest and good heart, and bear fruit with steadfast endurance. So this morning's sermon I'm entitling, Growing and Sowing. Growing and Sowing. Eugene Peterson uh, said this. This is great. Um, It says, the Latin word hummus. Anybody like hummus? Yeah, raise them loud and proud. I know there are a lot of you hummus lovers in here. The Latin word hummus means soil, earth, dirt. I knew there's a reason I don't like hummus. If you like hummus, you should probably just be freer, be cheaper to just go grab some dirt and eat it. Probably tastes a little better too, I would say. In my opinion, dirt is better than hummus. But I, I mean, I understand a lot of people like garlic and takes a lot of garlic to cover up the taste of the chickpea. So, you know, that's kind of my thoughts on hummus. But the Latin words hummus and homo, which mean human being, have a common derivation. From which, listen, we also get our word humble. So hummus and homo, like homo sapien, come from the same word where we get the word humble. Do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with our God. This is the origin, this is the genesis of who we are, dust. 
dust that the Lord God used to make us as a human being, if we cultivate a lively sense of our origin and nurture a sense of our continuity with it, who knows, we may also acquire humility. Dust. From dust you came, to dust you shall return. We are but dust. Now, um, I don't know if you know this, but I, I play piano. Some of you have seen me play piano. Maybe it's kind of dark back there, so it's nice and I'm, it's easy for me to be able to hide. But um, I've been playing piano for a long time. I started learning in the second grade where my mom started giving me piano lessons. But there was, there was a problem. I wanted to, uh, I didn't really want to practice the piano. Uh, I didn't like the idea of sitting down to practice, you know, the rudiments and, and play scales and work my way slowly through the books like mom always did when she taught her students. I wanted to be able to play quickly and, and play the fun stuff and be able to play like my mom and dad did already, you know. So I just kind of wanted to skip to that part, not the Mary Had a Little Lamb stuff. And so my mom did a lot of teaching, taught me kind of the basics of music, but I, I started to do things my own way. I stopped, I stopped cooperating with my mother to take piano lessons. I stopped doing the work that she told me to do, and I just kind of went about playing the piano my own way. And what that boiled down to for a long time was playing the same songs I knew over and over and over and over again. Because it's more fun to play what you already know than to try to learn something new. Anyone know that when you're, when you're learning a, a, an instrument that, oh, once you learn something, once you do the hard work of learning something and your muscles take over and you get that muscle memory, then it's real easy to sit down even years and years and years after you've played it and play it again. But to learn something new takes work. But most of what I learned about playing the piano, I learned on my own. And because of that, because I decided to not follow my parents, who are very skilled musicians. My dad, one of the most skilled musicians that you'd probably ever meet. He ran a music school in Brazil. That was kind of their, when they were missionaries down there, that was their mission, was building a school of music down there. And so he played everything, had to know how to play everything so he could teach the students how to play. My dad's the kind of guy that would sit down and put on headphones and listen to a song when he was wanting our choir to sing a song at the church. He would sit down and put the headphones on and write out the parts for everybody and without a piano. He would maybe go to the piano and get a reference, but then just write it all out. And my mom played for years, and that's actually how they met. They met sitting on, they met sharing a piano bench at a youth conference because they were actually from two different schools, but they met sharing a piano bench, and they were accompanying the choirs and music groups from their colleges. And So I had an opportunity to learn piano from some really great teachers, but I wanted to do it, and I wanted to go about learning the piano in my own way. I wanted to play how I wanted to play. And so because of that, now, as a, as a grown-up piano player, you might say, I have horrible conventions. I don't play the piano how you're supposed to play the piano. I, I don't hold my hands the right way, right? They're, you're supposed to kind of hold your hands up. So when we're teaching, when I'm trying to teach my kids, this is one of the reasons I have a hard time teaching my kids because I don't actually know the right way to play. But when, when you're trying to teach your kids, you kind of have to hold your fingers up like this and a little bit curl. But I don't do that. I play differently. I didn't learn all my scales, and so when there are keys that are hard to play in, which if you're playing worship music, most guitarists like to play in keys that are really hard for piano players to play in. So I didn't learn all those scales, so that's a struggle for me. I'm a horrible sight reader. I have a really hard time sitting down with a sheet of music that has actual notes that you're supposed to play at a specific time and rhythm and actually playing the notes. I would rather just kind of pick out the melody and play it my own way. My pride led me to learn the piano my own way instead of learning it the right way. My pride said, I'm going to do it my way. I don't need anyone else's help. I'm going to do something a little bit different this morning. We're actually going to invite Alex to come up. And uh, we were talking through this passage this week. And 
Um, I want to work our way through these sections, through the parable and through Jesus' explanation of the parable, and we're just going to kind of dialogue about it for a few minutes and, and share our thoughts on, on this, these uh, powerful, powerful verses. We've talked about it for a long time here at the church, going way, way back to our first Easter that I was here, and we had a big focus on preparing the soil, and, and we tend to primarily focus uh, on, on, on these verses from an evangelistic standpoint. We, we tend to focus on the unbelievers hearing the word, and it definitely applies to that, and that's definitely the primary emphasis of it. But I think there are some principles we can pull out for us as believers and how it applies to our life as believers as we continue on this journey to learning truth and letting God's truth grow in our hearts. So first one, I just want to read the verses and then we'll talk about it. So the first first uh, reference here says, as a farmer went out to sow his seed, which I think is verse five, I think, yeah. There should be a slide up there with, with both like five and 12. So, um, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on and the birds ate it up. And then Jesus' explanation of that is that those along the path are the ones who hear. And then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. So we talked about this this week and you've been reading it since then. What are... What are some of your thoughts on this first of the four? Um, so I kind of, I relate to this scripture kind of as a believer. Um, when I first was saved, as I understood it, which meant you get baptized, not the full meaning of the word, which is healed, delivered, protected, preserved, made whole, kept safe and sound. I just was saved. And so when I got baptized, I had a, my heart was purified and I, saw things for what they were. So reading my Bible, um, not having an understanding of God's like deep love for me and what he says about me, the Bible was really a tool for the devil to condemn me. So I would read the Bible and basically everything about the word would find a way to twist it and make me feel condemned or guilty to the point to where I just didn't read my Bible. So I see it as kind of basically the word coming and I, I resisted it to where I couldn't receive it any, at all, and it was trampled you know, by people, and then the devil would come and take it away, basically. So, and that might not be an accurate uh, understanding of it, but that's kind of the way that I relate to it in my, my actual life. Um, it's not the case anymore, but it's definitely, I think it happens to a lot of people. It doesn't mean that you're an unbeliever. It, there's a lot of people that go to church that still don't believe that God loves them because it hasn't been personally realized. And so the Word of God can be a pretty difficult thing to, to understand. So, yeah. Well, yeah, that's, so in, I mean, in that verse it says, when Jesus is giving the explanation, he says the seed is the Word of God. And uh, that was one of the things that got me thinking a little bit differently about it was, yeah, yeah, the word, you know, can be just talking about people who receive the word and receive salvation, but it's an ongoing thing, right? I mean, I mean, uh, the word is something that God wants to continue to plant in our hearts on, on an ongoing basis. And one of the things that, that stood out to me was this idea that Satan snatches. I liked that phrase. Satan snatches. I don't know if this translation said it, but Satan snatches it and takes it away. Um, but, you know, I think we, we need to pay attention to that, right? Because we do have an enemy. We do have somebody that doesn't want, to, uh, doesn't want us to learn these things, right? Any thoughts on that? I mean, well, my, my translation says the birds of the air devoured it and I'm pretty sure they were crows or ravens just guessing um, those are awful birds yeah well I mean they're like all an awful sound yeah what purpose do they serve I mean my wife will say pigeon pigeons are the worser of the two but pigeons are not on the haunted house in the scary movie it's a crow right thank you so 
Oh, and the pigeons, I mean, that's a more pleasurable sound that they make. Right. <laughs> yeah. But definitely, like I said, like the, the devil twisting it, like him, him taking it to where he really, I mean, he could, you can look at it in the timeline, I guess, differently, but he twists the word of God to where I can't hear it, and then he can, he can take the real word of God for himself to where he, he knows the truth. He, know what he's, he knows what the Bible really means and what it means for us, and he wants to make sure that he can distort it to where it's not spirit and life. It's something that is condemning and that we don't want. It's only just there to correct us versus teaching us how to correctly see ourselves, which is way different. So, yeah. Right, yeah, so... Um so God's word gives life. And you, you were talking about how it became a tool for condemnation. Um, maybe you can talk about that just a little bit more. We can, we can dig into that just for a minute. That idea that uh, this thing that's supposed to give life can be twisted and it actually brings condemnation, which is kind of the opposite, right? Yeah, so, I mean, like I said, my understanding of being saved was just a lot different than it is now. And so I didn't understand that when I got baptized, like my heart was purified and I saw things for what they were. So when I would get upset, I would be upset that I got upset. Like it would bother me that I would feel jealousy or anger. Like before I had reasons and justifications why I could feel that way because that's just part of being human. But now all of a sudden I, I felt like this second identity almost that's like, it's bothering me, but it, it just, I just, I just felt worse. And then I read the Bible and it's telling me, how I should be in my conduct, and it's like blameless, spotless, you know, patient, merciful, and all these stuff, and I just felt like I didn't have those in me, but I so wanted them, you know, but any opportunity that the devil could use where I felt the opposite, or I felt like negative feelings, I would be bothered by it, but then the devil would come and basically label that feeling as something's wrong with you, yeah, see, you're never going to change. See, you haven't changed at all. But the fact of the matter was that I had greatly changed because now I care. Now I actually care about how I carry myself and how I feel about people. And, you know, it's just a simple twist of the devil, you know, making me feel like there's something wrong when in reality something had been made right and I just needed more perseverance to hold on and cling to the truth to let God change me. Right. When we when we talked we talked about kind of picking an example and carrying it through to to illustrate it. And uh, the one that you mentioned was being worthy. Um, and and so that's an actual biblical truth that that you are worthy. God makes us worthy. He sees you as someone worthy to die for, to send His Son to die for. And that actually in Psalms it says we're, we are crowned with glory and honor. That's that's worth, right? If you're, if you're crowned with glory and honor from God's point of view, you're worthy, right? But, but Satan would come along, and what he would want to do is to snatch that truth, to take that truth away so that you don't think that you're worthy, or twist it, right? So that, so that it would be like, okay, you're worthy, but a, a person who's worthy doesn't really have jealous thoughts, right? So, so you're worthy, but are you really worthy? And then so, so, then, so then it's not, the, the seed can't actually be what it was supposed to be because it's not the seed anymore. It's been twisted. It's been manipulated. Let's go on to the second one and keep that illustration of, of, of worthiness in our minds. So the second one says, Some fell on rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. So what are your impressions on that one? Let's talk about that for a minute. <clears throat> so, yeah, I've definitely experienced this one more times than not. Since I've been changed, like, I, I receive the word with spirit and life, and I get excited about it, you know, like on Sunday. And then, you know, you seem to go out the doors, and then Monday comes, and it's almost like you just kind of go back to the normal, like, climbing the ladder, trying to be affirmed by people, bosses, employees, situations, circumstances. And because of the time that I don't spend being rooted and established, eventually that joy is, you know, withered. And I, I, I kind of thought about, like, the first one is the, the birds of the air come and take the word. The second one is the, the heat from the sun destroys the plant. And so there's, like, a different 
element or something that kind of destroys it. Um, and so, yeah, for me, I, it's a lot of times where it's what I, the time I invest, I guess, and, and where I'm planted. And so I can hear the word, like I can know that God loves me and f- receive his spirit and feel really encouraged and excited about that, but not take it like, and hold on to it and like, and press in like every single day, wake up on Monday morning and like begin to just receive that and not let it just kind of fade away. Cause eventually it will, because the, you know, we live in a crazy time, you know, and there's so many things to take our attention and a lot of them aren't negative or are negative and not life giving. So. Yeah. Um, you said, you said, you know, that it, uh, the sun, whether it, well, Jesus says in the parable that it had no moisture. Which is an interesting, uh, an interesting phrase, especially if you think about you know in Psalms one it talks about a tree being planted by, by a, a water source by the stream, and it always produces fruit when it's supposed to. It's what Psalm the whole kind of Psalm one talks about at the end of the Psalm. And uh, but when you're when it was planted in the wrong place, it didn't have any moisture, so when the sun came up, it withered. It didn't have the ability to do it. But um, I was kind of thinking about a way to illustrate this, but, and maybe, maybe it has to do with this, it's impatience. Because it says you heard and received it with joy. And, and one thing I do want to say, the last three all speak about people who believe. It's all, it's all something that comes to life, right? It's all truth that actually grows up and comes to life. So, so we can't just, you know, our theology might try to dictate and tell us, oh, well, those, these are just people that don't really believe, they don't really get it. But but no, these are all who believe. Jesus says that they believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. Fall away. So they heard it, they believed it, they received it with joy, but in the time of testing, they, they fall away. They do not persevere. There's no water. So let's go back to our, our illustration of worthiness. How would, how would this kind of affect that truth? So God says, you're worthy. What does that look like when we're, when we're looking at this specific example? So yeah, the the reality of what God says about me, like on a Sunday, you're worthy, he loves you. And it's like, yes, that's amazing. Like I forgot almost, like I don't carry it with me. And then I go to work. For me, the work is the toughest thing because there's just not, it's just not a, you know, a spiritual environment necessarily. So a lot of the times in the in the work industry, the focus is what you're not doing right. So the only time people want to talk to you is if you made a mistake. And so the focus isn't, is rarely ever, hey, I just want to pull you aside. You've been doing awesome lately. That does happen in, in the world. You know, I'm not saying it's like that. It's not like that anywhere. Um, but a lot of times the focus is what mistakes you made and so what's wrong with you. And so after a while, if that's my surrounding environment, eventually it's going to give a foothold to the devil to say, yeah, so you can't ever do anything right. And then you're worthless, and it's like God's not pleased with you, and now you're a hypocrite, because on Sunday, you know, you get excited, but then Monday, you go out there, and you feel like this or that, and then you come back Sunday, and get get filled, and get filled up, and after a while, kind of, it can mess with your conscience, you know, all the while, God's just like, no, just stay with me, like, I'm not mad at you, I just wish you would stay here, I'm not mad when you leave, I just wish you would stay here, because then you would not, you wouldn't listen, and you wouldn't be trying to achieve something in your life with people. You would welcome that and be and be, you know, encouraged if someone gave you something. But you wouldn't be at work to to be to be blessed. You would just bless people. The the change, I guess. Right. Yes. Yeah, so let's go on to the next one, the third one. Um, so he says, "Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants." The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. So what are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, this one is kind of sim- a little bit similar to the last one where it's, because I talk about life kind of draining you, but then at the same time, the reason the sun drains the dries out the plant is because like what you said it's not watered so I think about sowing and watering like people in your life that are regularly sowing and watering keeping the moisture on the in the ground to where it's healthy and it can produce something so like this is different I guess in a sense to where I see that the I see the ground as being able to take something in into it because there's already something growing but there's already been plenty of beliefs and, and strongholds that are 
not life-giving, so they look like weeds or like thorns. And so when the word comes, the plant might, you know, it's good and it starts to grow, but unfortunately, like, the little things that we believe or the lies or the big things or the things we like to hold on to or whether it's, you know, material items or or whatever, like, eventually it just, it can't, it can't grow and it gets choked out. Now, when we were talking about this, Alex said, this is the one you kind of rail on all the time, and I appreciated that. Um, because I do rail on this one all the time. And it also reaffirmed, yeah, I need to lighten up a little bit. So, um, but yeah, this is the one, this is the one that I've kind of, kind of probably focused on the most. Um, and that's why I appreciate, by the way, we've talked about we have a value of honesty, authenticity, transparency. I've, that's really important, especially in terms of discipleship, that, that honesty is a value for us as a church. But, um, but yeah, that, that idea of having a lot of beliefs or lies, you know, that, that are kind of, that are in our lives, that grow up and choke out. This word choke uh, means to suffocate. And if you suffocate something, there's no breath, there's no life in it, right? So it chokes it. It, it sucks the life out of it, chokes the life out of it. And it, it talks about how, how they don't, they, they might be alive, but they're not going to produce fruit. And if you've ever witnessed something that's planted among thorns or among weeds, you notice it, it might grow up and it might, you know, it might actually look like it's alive, but it doesn't produce fruit because there's so much in the ground around it sucking the life out of it, that the plant doesn't have what it needs to grow and thrive and produce fruit. So our illustration of worthy, worth, worthiness, how, how is that affected when we look at this one? Um, I don't know. I, just, I feel like I'm just going to repeat myself, but I just, because I think that so many of these are so interconnected it's not just like one category to the next i myself i've been in all four um and still and still do from time to time because they're so it's so easy to kind of go from one thing because it's yeah but um i'm trying to think i feel like i'm just going to repeat myself with what i said about about life and situations well so i mean so you're worthy i mean and so if that's a truth but but that truth never actually has a chance to grow up and to and fully mature in your life if there are lots of lies that you've plant that you have planted in your life around or just other things you know a big thing in our culture right now is just is well Jesus is a way but I don't I don't think he has to be the only way so I can I can plant the Jesus seed in my life but I can also plant the Buddha seed I can also plant the Mormon seed I can also plant all these other seeds and just think that those are all going to happen too and whichever one ends up being right well then I've got them all planted in my life so I'm covered right but that's not true because what happens is then that the one seed where the only seed that I, where Jesus actually makes us worthy through what he does doesn't ever have a chance to grow up and mature and produce fruit in our lives. And so, um, so that I think that James 4, just real quick, uh, verses 1 through 3, this, the idea of pleasure, life's worries, riches, and pleasures. This word is used in James 4. It's where we get our word hedonism. Um, it says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires? That's the word right there, your desires, your pleasures, your, your pursuit of hedonism that battle within you. You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have, because you do not ask God. When you ask, you don't receive, because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. And so right here, Jesus talking about pleasures that grow up and, and suck the life out of the truth that he's actually planted in our lives, and it can be our pursuit, and that's a lie the world is selling all the time, pleasures. You deserve to be happy. Pursue what makes you happy, right? Let's jump to this last one. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. And his explanation, the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering produce a crop. So what stands out in this last one to you, Alex? Definitely the persevering part because that's I think that's something that maybe doesn't get talked about as much or maybe people don't realize it that 
there is a there is a, a responsibility on me to, to put on my identity to receive it and cling to it because not everything that happens to me is gonna support what God says about me. So it's on me putting that armor on, especially with life and understanding what he does and what the devil tries to make make it look like God's doing and understanding the difference and at the same time never forgetting about what Jesus was willing to go through to get me back. Like not ever not ever forgetting that. Like I, I hear the verse, you know, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. So it says take up your cross daily and the way that I I I don't say it's the only way to hear it, but I kind of picture that as every single day pick up the cross as a remembrance. Like never never forget and persevere to never let go of that in every single day. Thank God and reaffirm what he says about you. Thank Jesus that he was willing to go through what he did to get me back. Like all this stuff because it's it's not something you move away from. It's not something you move like it's it's like Paul talks about, you know, solid meat and you know like and all that stuff but it's not something it's like okay that I got that now let's move on because that kind of attitude reveals to me that that actually hasn't been established like we shouldn't grow weary in hearing the gospel we shouldn't grow weary in hearing what Jesus did for us it shouldn't cause us to be irritated right like it should be like spirit and life and good news like I never understood the gospel as good news before until recent you know in the past year or so or a couple years it just keeps increasing. I love the gospel. I love hearing about what God did for us, not just for me. Like, I love hearing what God did for us, but I, I received it personally. But then now I have this really strong desire for other people to know that. When I see someone hurting, like, I, and I just, I just, man, you have to understand that you're so much more than that, you know? And it's like, it's, it's a good thing to experience. So, yeah, that's kind of. Yeah, perseverance. Yeah. You, you, um the word that st- stood out to me was that cling to it, right? Retain it. It's the same word for clinging, it, you know, to grab it and hold on to it. And that's one of the things that's different about all the other soils is they, you know, especially the first one didn't receive the seed at all. The second one received it, but didn't, but didn't hold on to it, or didn't have the ability to hold on to it. So it's that idea of clinging to it. And what came to mind for me was, this is my favorite uh, chapter of the whole Bible right now, is Philippians 3 where Paul says, not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. I, pr- I press on, perseverance. I'm going to press on. I'm going to keep pressing, keep pressing, keep pressing to lay hold of, to grab hold of that for which I was laid hold of. I'm going to grab, I'm going to reach out and continue to grasp the same thing that, that Christ did for me. Brethren, I don't regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Lay hold of it, grab hold, keep, keep, Keep grabbing, keep persevering, keep retaining it. Don't let go. Don't don't just kind of t- treat the gospel with this, uh, with you know, just feeling. Oh well, I I, already, I'm, I, I got it. I, I'm good. Uh, I understand. Okay, Jesus died for me. Great. What's next? Uh, that's kind of the whole thing, right? I mean, that, that's kind of the, the the whole thing rests in that, and never letting go. Continue persevering to grab a hold of that, and if and if it feels like you're if it feels like you're letting go of it, then you need to press a little bit more because there's still more to grab, right? And so, just real quick, this last idea of worthiness. What does that look like in in good soil? So I see like the the difference in in soils or throughout the whole thing so it does take work to make that good soil it might take work in the beginning to get the rock out or to get the weeds out or whatever like it might take a pickaxe to beat that thing over and over and over that's why we need to work together to where now finally it's been 10 years someone's been in the church and but they have this big thing and it takes all of us several times over and over finally breaking through making that thing making that dirt making that heart something toward now the same word that might have been preached sunday after sunday to no avail all of a sudden it's the same simple truth and it explodes and now all of a sudden god loves me i'm worthy and it's like 
And a good, a good believer or friend and brother will not be like, seriously, now you get it? They'll be like, yay, that's awesome, you know, because it's like the devil wants us to believe that it's like I've sowed time and time again and it just did nothing. And it's like that might be the case, but like it's, I don't really believe that. Like I think if we sow out of a sincere desire for someone to receive it, then that's such an amazing, heaven freaks out and like it doesn't seem like it down here, but like they're just freaking out because we're doing God's will. And then one day someone receives it and it might not even be you that said something, but you said something for years and years and years, and somebody comes and says it one time, but that person took the pickaxe and hit the last hit on that rock, and you hit thousands of times, hit the last hit, and that thing broke open, the ground's ready, they said it one time, and then it explodes. And then somebody else comes along and starts watering, and then it grows and grows and grows, and all of a sudden, this person's so alive inside, and we can all rejoice together. It's not about who did more or who, did, who didn't do enough, man. The devil is, is a jerk, and he wants to make it make you feel like you're not doing enough or you didn't say it right or whatever if you want that person to receive it that's all you that's all that matters like your heart to to for of love for them to know it like that's if that's your motive then you can't fail love never fails it's it's not about whether you say it or do it right if you're if your motive is love you can't fail yeah all right let's give alex a round of applause thank you brother appreciate you Yeah, so, you know, talk, Alex talking about needing to soften the soil or break the soil. And I think it's probably, you know, God's love, the unconditional love that really does the best work at breaking up the soil, loosening the soil so that it's ready to receive the seed. And that's why our time on Sunday is so important and our time in a community of believers is so important is because, yeah, I might say things for, for years, but but maybe you're going to say it in a way that actually helps someone get it, or because of their relationship with you, when you say it, it means more than when I say it. And so it's, it's crucial that, that we understand that. Um, I want to just kind of go through these four really quick and, and make them really practical, as absolutely practical as I can, for us as believers looking forward to, uh, to learning God's truth and God's truth getting rooted deeper and deeper into our lives on a daily and weekly basis as a church. So I want to ask this question to, to frame up our last 10 minutes or so. Um, what is the condition of your heart? What is the condition of your heart? And, and what I want you all to say with me out loud, if you will, really quick, say the phrase that's on the screen, I am the good soil. I am the good soil. And, and that is what, what God wants for us. He desires for us to be the good soil where his truth can take root and grow. But the first question I want to ask, okay, so what is the current condition of your heart? And related to the first type of soil, I would ask this question, is your heart hard? Is your heart hard? And if your heart is hard, if your heart is hardened where truth can't get in, then I would say that the greatest reason for that would be pride, right? The greatest reason for this would be pride. The, the ultimate opposition to grace is pride. The, the ultimate opponent to grace is pride. That's what the Bible says. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And so if your heart is hard, then we're probably being proud. We're probably full of ourselves, and we're saying this phrase, I don't need anyone's help. I don't, I don't need anyone's help. I can do it on my own. I got it. Just like me when I was learning to play the piano, I don't need anyone's help. Just let me play the piano the way I want to play the piano, and, and, and it'll all work out, right? So my heart was hard. And if your heart is hard, it's probably going to you know, take some work of God and the Spirit and grace and love and people in your life to kind of help you soften your heart. The second question I would ask is, is your heart shallow? Is your heart shallow? Are you impatient? Like Alex was talking about, you know, something comes to life on a Sunday morning, and while we're gathered here together on a Sunday, it comes to life, and we get excited about it, and you see the evidence of it, and you feel the evidence of it, and you feel the presence of it, but then you get out into the parking lot and pull out onto Northwest 9th Avenue, and the church down the street is just let out, and it's really hard to get out onto the street, and then all of a sudden, the thing that came to life withers and dies because it was shallowly planted in our hearts. And I think the, the, the phrase that I would put next to this would be, okay, I got it, what's next? It's still a little bit of pride. It's still a little bit of arrogance. It's like, okay, I, I'm, I don't need anyone's help. I understand it. 
I'm just going to move on to the next one. I got it. What's next? This is what my uh, life was like when I was learning. It's like, and it's what a lot of music students experience, right? This is what happens when you're learning, and right in the middle of a lesson, you start to get it. If you've ever taken piano lessons, you know this, but if, if not, what, one thing that'll happen is your brain works well in, in this environment where you're learning a new skill and you're being taught a new skill and you can kind of, your brain can, can give you some, some juice so that you can figure this thing out in the lesson. But then, you know, if you don't put that into practice over the course of the next week, when you come back to the lesson the next week, your, your muscles will have totally forgotten it because you didn't actually drill it in deep, Right? And so we think, okay, I got it, what's next? And so you could sit down with a piano teacher all day long and work your way through an entire lesson book and come back the next week and not remember any of it because it wasn't rooted deep into your life. And this is the same thing with God's truth. If God's truth isn't rooted deeply into our lives through daily practice, it's not going to stick. Through, through loving community, so do you start and stop a lot? Do you have a lot of excitement but no discipline and no follow-through? Is your heart shallow? The third question I would ask is, is your heart open to the wrong things? Related to the third type of soil. Is your heart open to the wrong things? The first one might be pride. The second would be impatient. The third would be unfocused. And it says, I'll do it, but I'm going to do this, 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 and that too. So it's like when I was learning how to play piano, I, I, didn't, I didn't just teach myself how to play the piano. I also taught myself how to play the drums and acoustic guitar and, and bass guitar and the recorder and how to record music. I, I learned how to do a lot of different kind of musical things and play several different musical instruments, but I have not mastered any of them. I, I'm, I'm okay at some of them and, and really not okay at others of them and well, I'm just going to do, I'm going to do this, 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 and that too. But how would my life look different if I was just committed to the one? How would our lives look different if we were, if we were really committed to one thing, if we were really focused on the one thing, and that we, weren't, we didn't allow all of these different ideas to get planted into our lives, into our hearts, and let them come up? There's a fly on the table. He went somewhere. But it's unfocused. Ironic enough. Unfocused. We're going to let all of these other ideas into our hearts as well. We're, 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 our hearts are soft, but to everything, not the one thing. Our hearts are softened to all the ideas, not... The one idea. And then another thing I would say is that we might just be around a lot of bad influences. We might not have enough Christian influence in our life. We don't have people around us saying, hey, you need to practice the piano right now, not go out and play basketball. And we might have people saying, hey, why don't you come out and play basketball instead of saying you need to practice the piano. Or, or people, I had people in my life in college that would say, my roommates would say, hey, let's go, let's go to the cafeteria and get dinner. You, don't, you, can, you can practice later. You don't need to practice right now. What I really needed were people in my life saying, hey, don't you need to go practice? Don't you need to go practice? I was a piano major my first year in college, piano performance major, and I quit after my first year. Primarily because there aren't a whole lot of jobs where you can play classical piano and make a living at it, so I wanted to do something that was more practical. But still, do we have people in our lives that are, that are pulling us away or pushing us towards See, if I could have been humble and, and allowed my mom to teach me the right way at the beginning, if I could have practiced the right methods and techniques every day, if I could have stayed focused on just the piano and not tried to add a bunch of other things in, who knows where I would have ended up. I, you know, I might have been a really great piano player instead of this hack that kind of you know, hacks my way through most worship songs. I think the same is true for us in life. I think this is a principle, by the way, that applies to probably every area of our life. If we're learning something, this is a process we need to work it through. But, but when it comes to the most important things, this is really important that we get this. Are we going to be the good soil where God's truth grows?
So I have a challenge for you, and then we're going to be done. My first challenge for us, all of us together, not just at you, but all of us together as a community, coming together, encouraging one another in the faith, is to grow. To really grow. Let's, let's, really, let's really do what's necessary to really grow up in Christ, who is the head of this church. Let, let's really grow this year as a church. And, and if, this, if this parable teaches anything, I think this is, these are the three things that we need to grow. If we really want to grow, if we really want to change, if we really want to become like Christ, we have to be humble, we have to be patient, and we have to be focused. We need to be humble, not too proud to accept help and, and let God teach us. We, we need to be patient and not expect that it's just going to grow up overnight, but that God is going to grow it in us over time through our relationship with him, which is how it endures and lasts and survives the heat of the day. And we need to be focused, not just not scatterbrained and chasing after everything like I so often do in my life because I, I just have so many ideas that I want to go after. But maybe what we really need is instead of chasing every idea is to focus on the one idea. So the first challenge I would give us is to grow, and the second challenge I would give you is to sow. To sow. See, if we're growing up in Christ and if we're growing in the good soil that, that all of the conditions are right, then, then and our hearts are softened to God's truth and, and we're, not, we're not allowing in the wrong influences and lies from the enemy and, and Satan to come and snatch away the truth, but our hearts are soft so that it can receive, then that is, that is a guarantee. It will grow up in our lives. God will grow us up in him. That is his job that he's at work in us. And then if we're growing up in him, we will produce the fruit that we were destined to produce in our lives. It's, we don't have to worry so much about the fruit. What we need to worry about is root. And if you don't know this, every piece of fruit has a seed to sow. Every piece of fruit has a seed to sow. The more we grow up in Christ, the more we produce fruit, the more the right kind of things will be growing in our life, right? That's what, we're, that's what we're talking about here in growing. But then, it's not just in our lives that these things will grow, but, but as the fruit grows in our lives as a result of us being firmly rooted and established in God's love, then it's also going to grow in the lives of those around us. And in our community here at 6A Church, we will be planting more and more seeds of love and grace and truth and hope and joy and peace. And all of these things that we're supposed to be having in our life as followers of Jesus Christ won't just be evident in my life, but we'll be planting the seeds of it in the lives of everyone else that we're connected to community. Yeah, the overflow of our heart. So think about it. When you're producing fruit, it's impossible not to leave your seed all around. Think of an oak tree. If you've ever lived by an oak tree, been around an oak tree, at the end of the season, what happens? Acorns everywhere. A walnut tree. If you've been around a tree where there's walnuts, at the end of the season, what happens? Walnuts everywhere. It's a big mess. Fruit everywhere. It's always there. It's there and it's there to produce fruit. So we want to grow and we want to sow. And it's interesting, even the ones like Alex was talking about, you know, it may not be the seed that I share that grows up in your life, but it, but it might be a seed that you share that grows up in someone else's life. But even the ones that don't necessarily where you see this crop being produced, they still contribute to producing a crop. You know, if, if, it's not, if it's not your word that really kind of takes hold in somebody's life, you still get to participate in the pollinating process. Right? You know how the wind works? The wind grabs pollen from, from all over and, and it blows it all over. Or the bees come around and they go and they, they, they get pollen from all of these different plants. And they take this pollen and they go to other plants. We had a fruit tree at our house this year. Nobody knew what it was until this year. And we planted a pear tree out in our orchard we're trying to grow. And because we planted a pear tree, this pear tree that we didn't know what it was, but started to produce pears because it had another tree to pollinate this one. 
And see, the more, the more fruit a healthy heart produces, the more it's going to impact the environment around it. This is why our, our, our vision for the church is to see people and places transformed by the presence and power of Christ in me is that the more we're transformed, the more we become lives that look like Christ, the more the world around us and the more the people around us are going to be transformed because changed people change people. We are going to be agents of change, instruments of change in the world around us because that is who we are becoming, and that's what happens. When you live a life that produces fruit, it plants seeds of fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control in the world around you. So we need to grow, and we need to sow, because the world needs us to be a voice of unity and encouragement and love and grace right now more than ever. So my pride kept me from really being a great piano player. Is pride going to keep us from really growing up in Christ? There was a farmer who grew superior quality award-winning corn. Every year he entered his corn into the state fair where he won honor and prizes. So a newspaper reporter interviewed him and in the process learned something interesting about how he grew this award-winning corn. The reporter discovered that the farmer shared his seed corn with his neighbors. Upon learning this, the reporter asked the farmer, how can you afford to share your seed corn with your neighbors when they are entering corn in the same competition against you every year? The farmer replied, why, sir, don't you know? The wind picks up pollen from the ripening corn and swirls it from field to field. If my neighbors grow inferior substandard and poor quality corn, cross-pollination will steadily degrade the quality of my corn. If I'm going to grow good corn, I absolutely have to help my neighbors grow good corn as well. See, it's not just what's being planted, it's who we're doing life with. Are we helping one another grow good corn? Proverbs 11, verse 24 and 25 says, One person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Let's stand together. Heavenly Father, thank you for Son, Thank you for the gift of life that is in our lungs right now. It's your life. It's your breath in our lungs. You've given us this gift of life. You have poured out your blessings on us. We are the recipients of one blessing after another. It has been a great, amazing grace that we have received. Father, help us to see and never grow weary of clinging to the fact that we have been given so much. If we get tired of it, Father, reawaken our hearts. Revive our hearts to the truth of the gospel. If, we've, if we're tired of hearing about it, Father, I pray right now in this moment that you would revive in us a desire and a passion for the truth of Jesus Christ who died on the cross to make a way for us to have a relationship with the Father. Father, bring us back to life. If we've started to wither and die, bring us back to life. If there are weeds growing in our lives that are sucking the nutrition and the life out of the soil so we cannot grow like you want us to grow. Father, I pray that you would remove anything that is sucking life out of us so that we might come back to life. Stir us, Father, I pray, to this new kind of life that you want us to have, this life that is full of the gospel, powered by the love of Jesus Christ, overflowing with grace and truth so that we may not only experience it in our lives, but that the people in this community may, out of the overflow of who we are in Christ, 
Christ and who we've become because we are good soil, we might actually start to plant the seeds of love, joy, hope, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and gentleness, and self-control in this community, and that as we grow up, as we encourage and we nurture one another to grow up and become who you've called us to be, that it might not only grow in this community, but that through this community, we might start to see the world change and transform because we are going out into the world with the fruit of the gospel, and we cannot help but produce fruit of love and joy and peace around us. Father, help us to be that. If, we're, if we've fallen asleep, if we've grown weary, if we've grown tired, if, if, we're, if we're drying up, if, if we're thirsty for you, Father, help us to, to hunger and thirst for your righteousness. And Father, give it to us here. Give it to us in our rooted groups as we launch those next week. Give it to us in our community here on a Sunday morning. Give it to us through our, our connection on workplaces. We encourage one another daily to live this out and to go deeper with Christ on a daily basis. Father, give us the nutrition that we need. Give us the water that we need. And who cares who gets the credit? God, we just believe you're going to make it grow. We believe you are going to make us grow up. You're going to bring us to fullness of Christ. We believe you're going to do a work in us that only you can take the credit for. We believe you have and you will do a work in us and through us, which only you can take the credit for, and that we're going to get to watch you do a thing in your name, and we just get to participate by planting as many seeds as we can. We thank you for the part we get to play in this process. In Jesus' name. Amen.